Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning, 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keen, J.P. Morgan Chase. Reporting today, the uh, first of the financials out with their results for the first quarter. Not good. First quarter profit fell 6.7%, lower trading, lower investment banking revenue. However, cutting costs enabled Jamie Dimon to uh, report earnings per share of a dollar thirty-five, better than the dollar twenty-four that had been the consensus forecast. And J.P. Morgan shares in pre-market trading are up 2.6% because, you know, well, because... Uh, U.S. coal company Peabody Energy filing for bankruptcy, a sharp fall in coal prices, leaving it unable to keep up the debt payments that financed its expansion into Australia. That stock down 72%. Obviously, if they are granted bankruptcy, it will go to zero. McCormick abandoning takeover talks with Premier Foods. The U.K. company demands too high a price, they say. Premier Food shares fell as much as 31% on the day. Time now to check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Michael? Mike, tens of thousands of Verizon landline and cable workers in the East Coast have walked off the job. They've been working without a contract since August. Verizon spokesman Rich Young. Our customers need to know we are prepared. For more than a year, we've trained thousands of non-union Verizon employees to fill in for these these employees who are going out on strike. Our non-union workers will be employed in our call centers. They'll be out in the field making repairs. More flights are being canceled at the International Airport in Brussels. The airport is now dealing with an air traffic controller strike. Tensions over the issues of staffing and pensions have been brewing for months. The strike comes after last month's deadly bombing attacks at Brussels Airport. People in Columbia, South Carolina, will pack a Senate subcommittee hearing today on a bill that would force transgender people to use public bathrooms based on their biological gender. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Time now for the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. Here's John Stasha. Thanks, Mike. Another night of quiet Met bats at City Field. Curtis Granderson led off the game with a double. Only five measly singles after that. Wasting another superb start from Noah Syndergaard, who struck out 12. Miami broke an eighth-inning tie off the Met bullpen and won 2-1. to So four straight home losses, and in three of the four, Mets have scored a total of three runs. With Jacob DeGrom missing a start, Mets will turn to Logan Verrett. Try to end this losing streak this afternoon. Yankees won in Toronto 3-2. to Brian McCann tied the game with a home run in the sixth inning. Jacoby Ellsbury put him ahead with a base hit in the seventh. The story was the Yankee bullpen. Four hitless innings. Michael Pineda on the hill tonight. It's finally over for the Knicks. A 102-90 loss at Indiana to finish the season 32-50. and That's actually 15 more victories than last year, but they were 22-22. and Went 10-28 and after that. The big question now, does Coach Kurt Rambis get to keep his job? Two big stories tonight. Final game of Kobe Bryant's career and Golden State hosts Memphis in a Warriors win. They finished 73-9. and Best regular season ever. Opening night, the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Rangers the last two years have made deep runs to the Cup Finals. Last year, the East Finals. And along the way, both times they ended Pittsburgh's season. But the Penguins are red hot before dropping their last game. They had won 14 out of 15. With the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update, I'm John Stashauer. 
Thank you, John. Well, futures are higher. Uh, they've stabilized a little bit. Uh, right now, S&P futures up 12 points, six-tenths of a percent. Dow futures up 94, half a percent. Verizon hasn't started trading yet. Oh, just starting, up 1%. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keen, pre-market trading uh, just starting for Verizon. Uh, their employees on strike this morning. The stock is up by 1%. J.P. Morgan reporting better than forecast earnings. Uh, its stock up 2.7%, even though revenue declined 6.7%. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, brought to you by the New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Edu. Here's John Tucker. Well, let's uh, see what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math this morning, Michael. Alibaba Group Holding will be the first Internet retailer to become a member of the largest nonprofit global organization that fights counterfeit products and piracy. It's all part of the Chinese company's efforts to shed its image as a haven for chief brand knockoffs. Billionaire Sean Parker, the former president of Facebook, has given $250 million to create a research institute dedicated to developing treatments that harness the immune system to combat cancer. The Parker Institute for Cancer Immunotherapy will try to make it easier for more than 300 scientists from six top cancer centers around the U.S. to work together with drug companies. And in his first interview that uh, when his company was thrust in the spotlight and legal tussle between Apple and U.S. law enforcement over the hacking of an iPhone, the chief executive officer, Mansuri Yagamuchi of Cellbrite Mobile, says his company wants to expand its work countering tech-savvy terrorists. He says he's willing to spend as much as $183 million to acquire or merge with companies to expand its sought-after data extraction business. That is this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Mike. John Tucker, thank you very much. Well, I need something to trade on today other than J.P. Morgan. You can trade on Chinese trade data. Once again, China driving global markets. Shanghai finishes up uh, by 1.4%. Tokyo by 2.8%. Right now, the stock 600 is up 2%. U.S. futures higher, as I mentioned, as well. A lot of it having to do with investor sentiment about China after the country reported that its exports rose 11.5% in dollar terms in March from a year earlier. Uh, that is better than forecast, better than forecast, our word of the day, our phrase of the day. Don Strasheim is a Senior Managing Director for China Research at Evercore ISI. Uh, Don, um, reports of the death of the Chinese economy do seem to be exaggerated. Uh, Mike, they have been exaggerated. Uh, several months ago, there was this panic in uh, the financial markets. Uh, China was going to collapse. There was going to be some sort of a currency crisis, a foreign exchange uh, crisis. It didn't make any sense then. It doesn't make any sense now. The data is uh, getting better. It's not great, but it's better. Well, the data coming in, as uh, you noted, uh, on the high side of mixed, uh, they're expected to report uh, that GDP uh, rose 6.7%. That was uh, their forecast, and oddly enough, the Chinese always seem to manage to hit exactly their forecast. Uh, even with these numbers today, how much trust do we have in our ability to know what the economy is actually doing there? Well, I think actually not very much. Uh, the data is opaque. 
uh, on purpose, that 6.7% uh, GDP number, uh, old data guys like me, we look at it and say, fine, if that's the total number, give me the components that add up to it. And uh, they either can't or won't uh, give them to us. That either means that there's something else that they're hiding or that the numbers are just uh, really, in some sense, uh, made up. When we look at other independent data that does not go through the uh, National Bureau of Statistics, we think the growth number is materially below that 6-7. But when they set a target, they always meet it. When, when you say materially below, what number would you put on it? Well, a 4% number would be a plausible number, and you could come to a number something like that by arguing that old China, the heavy industry, uh, manufacturing, construction, mining, uh, that's maybe half the economy, it's, maybe, it's dead in the water, maybe zero. And the other half, a new China, the consumer sector, services outside of consumers, business services, high tech, that could be as high as eight. Zero and eight, half and half gives you a... 4% number. All right. Well, here's the, uh, the the key question that I have to ask. Uh, the markets panic over not 6.7. Uh, you're saying it could be 4%. But what does it mean for the rest of the world? I mean, how bad is 4% or how good is 6.7%? In other words, does, it, does the number matter so much as what they're buying from everybody else and what's the outlook there? Uh, the the number really doesn't matter that much. <clears throat> Nobody that I know of who is a serious China analyst uh, uh, thinks that that 6.7% number is uh, plausible. So that we can just kind of throw that one uh, throw that one away. Uh, people do try to get a general sense. I think they have a fairly good uh, sense that the economy is doing better, uh, not great, uh, but better. So if China's growth for the next few years is say 4%. Uh, make your guess. U.S. Uh, maybe two, uh, Europe and Japan uh, maybe one. <clears throat> if those numbers are somewhere close to right, China is going to continue to be the growth driver of the world, and it is going to be more important to investors in America, Europe, or China that China does well than that even Europe, uh, Japan, or the U.S. do well. Don Streisheim is with us from Evercore ISI. We'll continue our conversation, our look at the Chinese economy and how fast it's growing and what it means for the rest of the world. It really does come down to a, a lot of uh, what they import is how other people look at currencies and economies in Asia and around the world. Uh, the better-than-forecast numbers today pushing up growth, uh, no, uh, pushing up the uh, the markets around the world. S&P futures up 12 points right now. The stock 600 up by 7. This is Bloomberg Surveillance on Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Surveillance is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Outstanding offers are in full bloom at your Mercedes-Benz Tri-State dealers. Take advantage of limited time lease and finance programs on select models this spring season. Visit MBUSA.com for details today. Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. 
J.P. Morgan Chase is up 2.7% in early trading, the biggest U.S. bank by assets, posting a first-quarter profit that beat Wall Street estimates on cost cuts and a smaller decline in trading revenue than most analysts predicted. U.S. stock index futures are rising, indicating a second day of gains for equities after better than forecast Chinese trade data spoke a stoked optimism that the world's second biggest economy is stabilizing. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures up 12 points. Dow E-mini futures up 98. NASDAQ E-mini futures up 35. The DAX in Germany is up 2.3%. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds. The yield 1.78%. Yield on the two-year 0.75%. NYMEX crude oil down 1.5% or 64 cents to 41.53 a barrel. COMEX gold down 1.5% or $18.30 to 12.42.50 an ounce. The euro $1.1299. The yen 109.38. And about 39,000 landline workers from Verizon Communications largest labor unions began a strike after failing to reach agreement on a new contract with the phone giant by a Wednesday morning deadline. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Good morning, everyone. Futures up 13, as Karen mentioned, up uh, 99 on the Dow, not near record level. Some blue chips, 3M, somebody mentioned out on Twitter, I think went through to a record high um, yesterday. Donald's dress time with us with earned humility on our myths and our certitudes about China. We're thrilled to have him in our studio, the Evercore ISA. To me, to me, what's always interesting, uh, Dr. Strasheim is the idea of an absolute analysis versus a relative analysis. On a relative basis, how is China doing versus its a nation, its adjacent nations? On a relative basis, uh, there is no comparison. Uh, China is clearly the strongest. Japan is stuck in the mud. Yeah. Um, Korea's got its own uh, Korea has its own uh, problems. Uh, the ASEAN countries are doing uh, okay, better than the, than the developed world, but not as well as uh, China. That's likely to continue to be the case. Are they tigers anymore? They're My not. Well, they're not that's, a good, that's a good point. The tigers probably are in uh, South Asia and uh, maybe in Africa. Uh, if there's any tigers at all. Interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, these countries okay. have have uh, grown a lot. Mike, and they're different than they were. Can I rip up the script? Yeah. I'm going to you on this. You pick it up yeah. with Mr. Strasheim. Great news, folks. Speaking of tigers, and a major shout-out to um, uh, Julian Robertson and his support of tigers <laughs> at the Bronx Zoo. Mr. Robertson and his, his uh, lovely, lovely... Um, wife, years ago, did the talk and initiated the talk on the conservation of tigers. And we had that report yesterday from uh, one of the wildlife organizations that the count of tigers actually increased. And Juliet Robertson did it when, when it wasn't in. There were no rock stars holding concerts to save the elephants or save the tigers. Oddly enough, I was at the Bronx Zoo on Sunday. Were you? Uh, yeah. Enough of that, though. Yeah, <laughs> Let's go back that was a rip up the script. That was a that was a, a, extraordinary rip up the script. Uh, Don Strasheim uh, from uh, Evercore ISI. Uh, I don't know if you know a lot about tigers, the animal, but uh, tigers, uh, the countries. Uh, we have seen China have an outsized influence on markets, not just equity markets, as uh, you and I were talking about uh, how traders 
uh, react uh, sort of uh, to, to uh, Chinese numbers. But uh, also on currency markets, this forces the other currencies in the region to adjust. And on commodities markets, uh, you said before the break they're growing 4%, not 6.7% probably. So what does that mean for commodities? If two months ago somebody said they were growing 4%, then uh, you know every commodity trader would have jumped out the window as well. Well, I think the uh, the key is to to remember that China is in some ways like Japan was that is a a, a giant factory. They import uh, raw materials, commodities from all over the world. Uh, they put them in their manufacturing engine, uh, turn the crank, and they sell products that you and I buy in uh, Walmart or uh, wherever. Um, they are by far the biggest consumer of most of these hard commodities. Uh, it's legendary now. Everyone knows that the steel industry is flat on its back. It's far out of equilibrium. It will be years and years, not months or quarters, before it uh, recovers. Um, and China is the biggest uh, driver of that. All this excess capacity, they're not going to shut it down uh, quickly. So this is a disequilibrium that will take a long time. So they're still going to be buying stuff and propping up prices even if they don't need it? Uh, the state-owned enterprises in China, the big ones in the big industries, are not uh, profit maximizers. They are primarily employment agencies. And so now they're talking about all this SOE reform. Uh, I think this is much more talk than uh, reality. What are you going to do with a 52-year-old steel worker who's been working in the steel mill in China for 30 years? Uh, you don't need him. It's a zombie company. He's not going to get hired by Baidu. He's done. And so he can either get fired, be sitting on the, on the curb. Uh, you're going to have to pay him for something. something. That's not going to work very well. You could uh, have him still employed at the steel mill sitting in the lunchroom, not making steel. That doesn't work very well. Or you could have him still make steel for which there is no demand, and you stack that steel up in the back lot with a tarp over it, or you dump it on the other global markets. So there are no easy solutions here. This is the dilemma. I, I look at the dilemma of it, and as you say, no easy solutions as we go to IMF meetings, what will be the Chinese stance? Is there a, and I'm, I'm speaking as an amateur, as you're the pro, is there a traditional Chinese reticence to engage in the international relations and economics of the moment? Or is there a new China that wants to be part of the dialogue? Well, they want to be part of the, it's a good question, Tom. They want to be part of the dialogue, um, but they are going to, I think, uh, listen politely, and go their own way. The idea of an accord um, between China and some of the others yeah. is just doesn't really make any sense because that accord means giving up some of your discretion. They don't want to do that. And, and Mike, this alludes to Robert Feldman of Morgan Stanley the other day saying we forget with Japan and Abidomics what a domestic debate their supposed international economics is, particularly as they go to an election. I believe it's in July. Same well, idea. A lot of people concerned about the Chinese financial system on a day when uh, U.S. banks start to release their earnings. How bad a shape are China's banks in, and, and, and how long can they keep them going? They're in bad shape 
but they um, they were the big four state-owned banks in China, half the market, half the banking market. They were carved out of the Ministry of Finance in China in 1990, not to make loans to you and I or to our companies, but to make loans to other big state-owned enterprises in oil and shipping and telecom and uh, whatever. That was and remains their uh, role. China loves the idea that they are state-owned. That's one of their power uh, tools, uh, uh, devices. And if you ask um, uh, the Chinese about the 0809 meltdown or the current situation, they say uh, state-run financial system, managed currency, and capital controls. Those are the items they're not going to give back. Uh, a lot of the debt in China is, is internal. Uh, not Some of it is external, but not much. So there's a lot of insulation that many of the banking systems around the world don't have. Well, could they have a, a banking crisis as, as we had? They wouldn't have a banking crisis uh, like we had, but um, uh, any kind of real serious banking problem in China uh, would inflict damage not only on China but around the world as well because they're a giant player. Would they just monetize that uh, to... To sweep it under the rug? Between 2004 and 2009, they um, executed uh, uh, kind of good bank, bad bank transactions in preparation for the IPOs of the big four state-owned banks, took the bad loans off the book, put them in their back pocket in Beijing, wrote, basically wrote a check from the Ministry of Finance to replace that capital, said, now here, go about your business being a state-owned bank. They could do something analogous to that again, and if they needed to, they would. What's the state of investment? Just quickly here, Don. Unfortunately, no time. What's the, what's the state of investment uh, in China? Is there a new rule of law that gives for greater confidence in JVs? No. no. <laughs> the simple answer is there is not. It is still too much uh, opaque. One of the reasons there is not much mm -hmm. inbound capital is, uh, but they would like to have, is that people don't have any confidence. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that is going to take a long right. time to resolve. That's Strassheim. Thank you so much. Very, You're very welcome. strong. As always, with Evercore ISI. And a major shout-out. We do a shout-out always when somebody actually reads Jonathan Spence's uh, The Making of Modern China, cover to cover, every word. Major shout-out to Colby Smith, who's gotten through all 14,000 pages of Jonathan Spence's one-volume classic. Don Strassheim on China. We begin another hour of Bloomberg surveillance. Please stay with us. Futures up 12.